This is the Dichotomies of Life podcast, episode 13, The American Dream. Dichotomies of Life podcast, The American Dream, part one, featuring Mokiri Gikunda. I said it right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Kiki, she goes by Kiki. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiki is a general practitioner in Kenya, and she's transitioning to the American medical field. Yes. And we're about to dive into this podcast. So here we go. Josh, uh, his girlfriend at the time, hopefully soon enough, it'll be fiance but no pressure josh (laughs) so this podcast is a part one of a series i'm doing called the american dream where i talk uh to friends of mine who are not from the united states of america and we kind of talk about the outside looking in perspective and um yeah today has been a great day and it has also been a great week Today alone, I've recorded a podcast earlier. I'm recording one right now, and I have another one slated for tonight, trying to go ahead and stockpile this library so I can keep pushing this podcast out. Uh, It's also been a great week because I just had my baby shower. Uh, It went very successful, I know. Uh, And it didn't rain, which we really thought it was going to rain. It was a little stressful at the beginning, but it came together very nicely. And um, just shout out to everybody who was able to make it out. Thank you for... The people who came out, all the gifts. We got a ton of gifts. Good God. My living room is filled with just gifts, and it's awesome, but it's just like, geez, didn't really realize, you know, the whole baby shower thing. Never really done that, you know. <laughs> but anyway, here we go. We're going to dive into this. So um, these are questions that I have. Just someone who's kind of, like I said, an insider looking out. What is the American dream to you? What is something that you hear about, something that people fantasize about where you're from in Kenya Mm -hmm. about America? Like, they probably think it's this great opportunity, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'd start by saying, so basically, when you hear, like, someone's coming to America and stuff, it's it's crazy. It's like, oh, my God, they're going to get so rich and... They have all this money, and you're probably neighbors with Obama. You know, it's stuff like that. So, I think everyone's a celebrity. Yeah, it's like, it's like if some if your family knows you're going, the whole goddamn village mm-hmm. is probably going to take you to the airport because it's Just a to big. Be like, yeah, I want to be you know riding your coattails when you become successful. Yeah. Type okay. Um. So I think when. I was coming, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. Um, But when you get here and you stay here for a while, I mean, when you come and visit for, like, a day, a few weeks, it still doesn't dawn on you how different it is. Everything is still like, oh, my God, you have Mm -hmm. machines that make keys. Like, I know, right? (laughs) But if you stay here long enough, you kind of, you're like, oh, okay, this is crazy. I had it mm-hmm. signed up for all of this, but okay. Yeah. It is a lot. And there's there's a lot of aspects where I feel 
we're so used to giving our personal information out on mm-hmm. apps or signing up for this or that yeah. that it can like to someone who hasn't even really done all this it's kind of like why do you need my social security number why do you need all this private yeah. information just to to order a pizza Everyone, yeah. like, do you have a gmail or do you have a you know it's just crazy and we so willingly give it up nowadays oh yeah card credit card for information stuff like that it's pretty crazy but um Tell me about the process. And this is one of the things that I'm really curious about. Mm -hmm. The process of becoming a U.S. citizen. What, how does that work? Wow. Um, And I know there's a lot of, um, there's some complex to it, but tell me like what you know about it. So basically for me, it was really different um, because my dad's a citizen. Okay. But initially in the beginning, well, the whole family tried to get here, but me and my mom were denied visas. Because it's one of those things, everybody goes in, and it's the embassy, they ask you a couple of questions, and it's like a towing cost, and they're like, no, he gets in, y'all, you can't do it. So it it works like that, basically. You just don't know if you're going to get it, if you're not. Um, Because it's down to, like, something you said could have made it the reason? Well, probably, or, like, just depends on the person. Maybe that day they had a bad day, they saw your face and just didn't like you. But I'm not saying that it's that shallow. I'm sure there's, like, a lot that goes into it. Mm -hmm. But for us, we kind of tried a couple of times, and me and my mom still couldn't get the visa to come here. Good God. So, for us, it was different. I think for me, because my dad became a citizen... So he was able to process my papers because I was still underage. Okay. But the thing was, it took a while. It took like years and years of lawyers and all these bills we had to pay. Um, But finally, even after the papers are processed, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a free pass to come. You still got to go to the embassy. You still got to go through interviews and stuff. There's a lot to it. Um, Some people, I know some people who just, came here through maybe like a tourist visa Mm -hmm. where they came to visit somebody. Um, After that, one thing led to another. They found out where I was staying. We always know there are people who've outran the visa timeline and they're still trying to get the papers, but they're here legally. But you can always find a way of... For me, like I said, it was an easier process. It was lengthy, but it wasn't as hard as some people. Mm-hmm. If you're a student, if you're getting a work permit, that's that's definitely easier because the school or your workplace can always help you with it. And they can vouch for you yeah. and things like that. But if you're like trying from ground zero and you don't know anybody, that's just a whole other ball case. Good God. What, what would you say are the main differences? I mean, I know there's a lot. And these, like I said, they're very broad questions. But in your experiences, oh. what would you say the main differences are between life here versus life there? Oh, God. I think the biggest one that I always tell Josh about, it's the goddamn culture. Like, really? it's, I think that was the one thing. I think till today, I feel like I might not be able to raise children here without taking them back home. The way we grew up was very different. was very respectful. Mm-hmm. I find I go to a store and like a 10-year-old is talking back to their mom or stuff like that. I'm like, what the hell is going yeah. on? Like, <laughs> That's America. I know. Like, my mom will be, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, getting a belt or exactly. something in the middle of the store. But 
Mine too. I mean, I think it just yeah. depends on how you were born. How but, you were raised, raised true. Um, but I think it's just, I mean, even back home, things are changing. You know, the teenagers feel very grown and stuff. It's weird. I guess it's as time progresses. Yeah, yeah. progresses and it's sad. But I think the culture, um, those, like compared to here, I think back home, everything was a bit more close knit, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, I mean, sure, we've gotten to a point in life where everybody's, like, they're, yeah, it's, I want to take care of me. But, like, back home, it's just different. Like, got aunties and uncles and so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And if you even notice, like, most of the people from outside, like, most of the immigrants, their communities are very close-knit. Like, yeah. It's like my mom and so-and-so's mom and so-and-so's aunt. When we're having any problems, I can always go to them. We might not be blood-related, but it's just a thing. It's just community. Um, Definitely the food. The food is different. (laughs) There's a lot of options here. But if you look at the options, there's nothing really American. This is true. We're like a melting pot. Yeah. It's just like everything. If you took out every every person what would you have except the burgers i i would say that i mean that's yeah the burgers yeah probably uh, I, it's funny you say that because i was watching the show on youtube or on uh, netflix and it was, it was it was a cooking show but every single episode they'd be in a different country yeah and they were in the united states and it was so funny because no one really knew what to cook so they just made thanksgiving food yeah and i'm just like okay it's it's. That. I mean, we we definitely have you know some good food. We have hot dogs. You know what I'm saying. We have hamburgers. But I mean, that's just that's the also the beauty of America yeah. because you do have this melting pot of all Different the Kool Aid packages mixed into one. You know? um, but I, I definitely can understand what you mean because it's. It's just different. My wife's from New Orleans, so, you know, she has their whole... They've got the Creole style of yeah. cooking. You know what I mean? I'm from Atlanta, so we have whatever we have. I think they have barbecue <laughs> or something. I don't yes, know. Yes, the ribs. Definitely. Um, I think the... Peaches, I guess. I don't know. Do I eat on the peaches? I like those. I love peaches, too, <laughs> but it's just like as far as what we're known for, I mean, it's just... I don't know. I never really looked at food that way, I guess. I just always... Whatever I felt, you know, was yeah. good, I would eat. But I've always liked different things. I've always... I've, I've tried Thai food. Asian food, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm in it for the for the experience. So I definitely can okay. can uh, do that. Um, let's see. Um, I think the other thing was pretty much just the lifestyle. I mean, America is very fast paced, if I can say so. It's like everybody's working, working, working throughout. There's no. There's it's like there's no time for family because everybody's just yeah. working to just pay bills their bills <laughs> to just stay afloat but back home it's like i mean even on like if it's really rough you will find people will still go home at five o'clock spend the time with their children or whatever the next day they go to work but it's like there's a pro and cons to both sides. Because uh-huh. I think here, it's like, I, if I want to work three jobs, I can do that compared to back home where yeah. you probably can't. There are no such opportunities. And so it's like a pros and cons on both sides. Another thing is like back home, if I decided to wake up and I had the money and I want to go on vacation, I don't have to plan five months before. Yeah. I can just be like, you know, let's 
this weekend, let's take the children here. But here, it's like, there's so many bills, everything's so expensive that we got to plan for like a year, two years, maybe wait till retirement before we can do some of these things. But it's like, yeah, we're all chasing money, but you just die without even enjoying I know. it. And it's we, sad. We just talked about that, actually. And one of the podcasts that Josh did, yeah. uh, me and Josh did. Um, but it is, it's just, it's, I, I, I can 100% agree with that. It is fast paced, but it's almost like it's fast paced for no reason. But I think yeah. everyone just, everyone is sold that dream of it's right around the corner. If you mm-hmm. can just keep doing this and you kind of have to stop sometimes and it's so cliche, but stop and smell the roses. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so cliche, but it's the truth. Like just enjoy what you have. I've, I've found a lot of passion in recording this podcast and I've been off for, you know, two days, three days, mm-hmm. no, four days now, really, dang. So four days, and I haven't even thought about work because I've yeah. been so, I've been, you know, preoccupied with the baby yeah, shower yeah, and then yeah. setting up all these podcasts. So it's definitely, you need to stop and take some time for yourself because it's mm-hmm. it's definitely necessary. True. So if you could list one thing that you like more about America, what would it be? Well, does it include Josh? I guess you can include this knucklehead. All right. Well, the one thing is definitely the drive that people have here and the opportunities are far greater than I have ever seen. Like people are becoming billionaires in their goddamn living rooms. True. It's crazy. We just talked about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're in a place where... There are 24 hours businesses running. Look at Mm -hmm. Walmart, all this thing, like Amazon, all these places. But like back home, it's like it gets to five o'clock, six o'clock, everything shuts down. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, I wish there were, we were getting to a place like this. I know what you mean. I mean, the only reason someone doesn't have a job is you're not trying. Yeah. You don't want it. You don't want it. Some of the hardest workers that I have ever worked with have mm-hmm. been immigrants. Yeah. The hardest workers. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, oh man, they're, they're the best here. These are some of the best workers I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. They're on another level because they're like, man, you mean it to, and then a lot of them are working two and three jobs. You yeah. mean to tell me I can work around the clock and yeah. make endless money to send back to my family? Yeah. Uh, okay. And it's like, it's like. Who needs sleep? Like, Let's exactly. Get after it. I used to, I came here and I'm like, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Like, I can, like, decide to do whatever I need to do. Exactly. And then go, like, I used to work for a retail, and I'm like, I can go there and do, like, uh, like during the night and mm-hmm. go back and do something else. In the morning. It's I know. It's like, that's it's, As long as you have a drive, you can do that. But yeah. I would definitely say that is a good point. And I think that's really what people talk about when they say the American dream, because yeah. you can make a lot of money here. And it's yeah. if you have the drive mm-hmm. and the motivation, which a lot of people, hey, I want to bring my family over here, and I want to, like... Like you just said, and yeah. you know, you looked at, we're in a garage right now. I'm recording in my garage. It doesn't look like a regular garage, but it, it in a way it does, that? but it's very, it looks like a goddamn apartment. And that's what I was about to say. Yeah. You have an appreciation for this yeah. to whereas someone else would be like, you know, whatever, I'm not living there. You yeah. know what I mean? An yeah. American might think that, yeah. but somebody who is, uh, you know, an immigrant coming over here, yeah. they're seeing this as, man, this is all I need. This is, you know, this might be better than what they had there, yeah, you know? Definitely. And so I work three jobs. I'll bring my family over and we'll make this worth it. And yeah. that is why there are so many 
there's so much more hardworking immigrants than there are Americans. And if you want to agree mm-hmm. with it or not, it doesn't matter. Like the, it we are pampered. True. We are pampered. Yeah. I was just talking about in the last podcast how, you know, the person who invented the television mm-hmm. was a 21 year old. Oh, I didn't know. And that. he lived without electricity for up until he was 14 years old. And wow. he invented the TV at 21. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So crazy, his crazy. name is. Let's see where it is. His name is Philo or Philo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Taylor Farnsworth. But it's just because he had the drive. You know what I mean? And and that's what it comes down to. You've got to have the drive to get it done. But I can, there's so many, like I said, there's a guy who specifically comes to remembrance. His name's Felix. And Mm -hmm. he was a taxi driver. He worked at Lowe's full time. And he just started on working with me um, Mm -hmm. at our grocery store. And he was killing it. He yeah. would come in there after a long shift and he'd still kill it. And he'd work overnight doing taxi. Like he just, yeah. he was about his money and I, and I have nothing but respect for that guy. And there's other people who come in, this is their only job and they're showing up for late. They're yeah. showing up late for work and they're texting on the phone. You know, I think, I think for me, it's like, I think when I came here, it's, I felt like it's more of not in a bad way, but it's more of, they feel entitled Oh, without a doubt. Um, That's exactly what it is. And then it becomes an issue, like, why are all these immigrants coming and taking our jobs? But I'm like, you don't want to do well, it. Well, if you had a business, you gotta. I always tell these people, if you had a business yeah, and you had someone who was going to work better, faster, and longer exactly, versus oh. someone who was going to just show up and expect a paycheck, who the hell would yeah. you hire? But they don't, I think they don't see it like that. They don't see it like that. And plus... Um, I think for most people, like for me, definitely, I told you, I didn't come and start working as a doctor. Like, mm-hmm. I knew it was going to take time. Maybe I didn't exactly know it would take an extreme amount of time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you come here, you got to, like, they, you switch it off. You're like, there's no reason why I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. If I was coming and I'm feeling like, oh, my God, I'm a doctor. I can't do this. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have been getting any, any money. Mm-hmm. And when I started working, I was definitely being paid more than I was being paid as a doctor back home. Yeah. But of course, you have to put in the fact that um, cost is higher here and stuff like exactly. that. But considering what I was doing, it was like really basic stuff. I know. And within like a few months, I'm just getting raises, getting raises, getting raises. Yeah. As a doctor, I'll get the same amount of money for like forever if they decided to or just decide one day the hospital doesn't have enough money why don't we just slash their pay like weird yeah. stuff like that well, that's and that's that's kind of where it's messed up and it's some of the same stuff you see in america you see police officers and all of these healthcare people getting paid they don't get paid half of what not even a freaking fraction of what an athlete would or something like yeah. that so i definitely understand that and honestly josh you you uh, we're, are making more than than most police officers, you know, Definitely. and that's 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 pretty crazy. Me as well. So yeah. that's just something to think about. But I want to kind of take it back to mm-hmm. uh, you in Kenya, okay. and I want to wow. talk about a day in the life of you there. You know, wow. how tell me how that starts and. Wow, are we talking about when I when I was working or uh, okay, just yeah, regular okay. any, any day. Honestly, uh, I just I'm curious. I just want to okay. know. Let's say, give or take, I would, 
let's say I wake up, maybe I have a shift at like seven, eight o'clock. Um, basically, I was a workaholic, so I'll do like seven. Probably you're supposed to leave at three. Um, on a good day, I mean, you can do seven to three, maybe eight o'clock to six. You okay. have like a probably um, maybe 30 minute lunch break, if I remember correctly. Well, it just depends on where you work. So maybe eight to six, go home. It's probably going to take me like an hour or two because of traffic to get home. Okay. Um, by the time I get home, I'm so tired. Like, you know, watch TV, read if you can, hang out with your friends. Um, the next day starts again. Or I'll start at 73, go home for an hour, start another shift at like 6 o'clock. Or I'm doing for somebody their shift at 7. So do like um, 73, come back at 6, do an overnight till the morning Jeez. till 7. Or like if I'm working in a different hospital, I'll do, maybe I leave my shift in one hospital at 6 o'clock. Go to the next hospital, maybe work there till like midnight or and past that. So what, when you talk about that that time block, what exactly are you doing? In that? And I know you're probably doing a million things, but like, what is your actual So, like I said, we were like a, a GP, which means that you're a general practitioner. Okay. So we used to work in the ER. Okay. So you saw the, the nasty, crazy shit, basically. It's, it's interesting stuff for interesting. me. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. For everyone else listening, it's nasty, crazy shit. No, for her, it's, it's not. interesting. Okay. okay. So it just depends. Maybe you're in like the try. Well, you can have the walk ins where the stable patients come in with their flus and, oh, I have a splinter, weird stuff like that. Then you have like the other serious cases. So you can be in either or. Um, at times, you can be running a clinic in a different location but it's still the same thing you get to see a patient you see if they need to be admitted or not you stabilize them if they need to go to the hospital get an ambulance admit under what we call consultants who are like senior doctors um that's pretty much it or if it's a procedure that you can do as an outpatient Go ahead and do it. You know, things like old people coming constipated. You got to get that shit out. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's not the prettiest job, people, who want to become doctors. It's not. So, but I would say it, it desensitizes you to a lot of stuff, and it gets you oh, ready for, for that type of lifestyle. Because, so, I have to ask this. And What is the craziest thing you have seen? Oh, am I allowed to say this? Well... <laughs> Technically, it doesn't. You can say whatever you it want. Doesn't, it doesn't, well, technically, it doesn't. Okay, affect any laws. Um, the craziest thing I have. What? Um, the craziest thing I've seen. Well, there are some really funny stories, but <laughs> I'm not gonna get there. The craziest thing I think I've seen is somebody had. What do you call this in America? Like the farm tool. Oh, had, like, like it a looks cleaver. Like a, no, like a fork thingy that you... A uh, pitchfork? No. Well, not exactly. But you a use shovel? It, you use it to, like, dig up the soil. What do you call that? We call it a djembe. It's probably a shovel. Not really a shovel, but it looks like that. But it looks like a fork. It's a tiller. Like a, uh, a, tiller? a rake or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it looks like a, kind of like a rake. Wait, I gotta Google it. So. Okay. No, go ahead. <laughs> it's probably a pitchfork, but... Oh, it's not probably. A I think I'm, it probably is. Yeah. That's kind of what it sounds it's like. It's not a pitchfork. Because this, you actually use it to dig the soil. 
a hoe, a backhoe, or something like that? No. <laughs> I feel like, no, okay, when I remember, well, basically, let's say something like a pitchfork, maybe, but it's not. Um, it was stuck in somebody's head. Jesus Christ. Like, Jeez, why so, did I fucking that? What? So this guy, I think he was like attacked by somebody. I can't remember Jesus the story. This Christ. was years back, like when we were in med school. And this guy was like actually legit, like alert and stuff. No. Let me show you. So when you found a picture of a, of a pitchfork? Google what J-E... M- oh my god. B- I'm gonna make sure I throw this picture up on the YouTube so y'all can see it as well. Yeah. So um yeah, the guy was like alert and everything. Like with just it just it's just sticking out of his head. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like Yeah, kind of like Let me see. Uh, what is it called? It's, yeah, this this exactly what it is. Oh yeah. my god. It was something like that. So I mean, we've seen... That is that is some nasty shit right there. I think I've seen, like... Jesus. And it was just sticking out of his head? Yeah, What the much. hell did y'all do? I mean, he wasn't, like... A, we were in med school at the time. Um, he wasn't, like, our patient or anything. Oh, so they showed y'all that to traumatize and say, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Because oh, no, no, this no, is the no, type no. of shit you're going to see. No, this is, like, one of those things. Someone was in, like, casualty doing something, and then, you know, they start telling people, like, oh, we got a case, and everybody wants to come and see. Oh, God. But I hope he survived. I don't remember how that happened. He probably had, like, a hardcore come-to-Jesus moment with Oh, no, <laughs> no. That wasn't, that wasn't it. I think for me, I had a baby die on me. Oh, my God. You got to prepare me for this. Oh, I, gotta, I mean. Jesus. It's. It's it's sad. It really is. And I think that I was in my third year of med school. So that was when I kind of had like, I had like a second of where I wasn't sure if this is what I want to do. Yeah. But then after like an hour, you quick get over it because you got to go treat somebody else. You got to go help somebody oh else. God. You can't keep, you keep it to remind you, but you can't say that oh my god I have I'm gonna obsess and cry about it the oh whole day because somebody else needs your the help mentality that I'm talking about that's yeah. just a different breed of people because <laughs> I know there's people out there that have had you know babies dying them and that's a horrible thing to think about but it is I guarantee you most people that that happened to be like yep fuck this I'm going to stock groceries I'm done because I can tell you right now that's exactly what I would be doing Jesus Christ yeah so you get used to it. What made you want to become a doctor, a doctor in the first place? Gifted Hands, the book. Really? Gifted Hands. So, um, my dad gave me that book when I was really young. It was like one of the first books from America. Okay. So I was very excited. But before that, I think I was always intrigued with how the human body works. So definitely from the word go, it's like, I want to do surgery. I really, really want to do surgery. Jeez. And then I started work. I started doing medicine and stuff. And it was like, now trauma, like trauma medicine was my thing. Because I worked with um, the military back home. So during my internship, I used to work with the military hospital. Loved it. Like, that was, I would honestly say that was a part of my career that I absolutely enjoyed. 
Okay. And that, that was the military there. Were you paid by the government at this point or were you just yes. volunteering? Oh, awesome. no, 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 I was paid by the co- government. Cause it was like, after you finish med school, you have to kind of do a year where you're working under supervision. Of course. So that was like doing trauma in that center. It was just amazing. Jeez. So what is the process of becoming a doctor? Here. Like, or well, here versus, well, I, let's just start with Kenya. What's the process oh. there? Is it in, in this, I guess in general, you go to school, yeah. you learn, then you take a bunch of tests and you learn some more, like, and then, yeah. like, how do you, how do you freaking practice on nothing? You know what I mean? Well, You're yeah. not like, cause how do you, how do you practice for that? They don't just give you a patient and say, here you go. Uh... Do they? I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so let me tell you why I think <laughs> how they train people in America has a very, very big fault. Like, there's a very big gap. Okay. So pretty much by the time I was in my third year of med school, I had at least helped deliver babies in a C-section. This is, I'm talking about, Year one, med school. Year two, year three, I'm in theater, and I'm helping, like, take out babies. Jeez. While here, they're doing, like, pre-med for, I think, year one, year two. Then they go to med school for, like, another five years. Like, it's a lot of time wastage, honestly. Where you're not actually doing anything yeah, you're not that really... you're going to be doing when you're a doctor or a Yeah, and then... I don't know. I think for them, I'm I'm not sure if they're allowed to touch patients for a while. But back home, you go to the ward, you start fixing IV lines, you start... You, it's very hands-on. I got you. Yeah. I can see where that would be. Because that, that's the opposite of what I would think, honestly. And of course, I don't know anything about the medical field, but that's kind I mean, of what I Yeah, what I, I know think. here... I think here the problem is... Everybody's so afraid of being sued and stuff. Yeah. But you also have to recognize the fact that people have to learn from somewhere. They do. They do. I mean, it's not like we don't... Patients are definitely... You know, if a patient comes and is like, I don't want you to touch me because you're a student. I want somebody who knows how to do it to do it. But through, like, all this experience, by the time I was like... Finishing, I could do stuff that yeah. maybe residents were having trouble doing. And when you, when I honestly, now that I think about it, when you put it that way, any job that I've ever done, I'm better when I learn hands on yeah. instead of reading from a book or anything. And, and that's kind of what I was afraid of. Like, do they just say, hey, here's how, but I guess you would oversee a lot and you'd stand beside them as you saw the procedure and they'd walk you through and it's yeah. very hands on. Yeah. Which I guess it would have to be. So it's like you see one, we used to, like, we used to have teachers who were like, you know, that whole saying for you see one, you do one, you teach one. Okay. So at some point, if you're so, if like your senior doctor thinks that you can do stuff alone, they don't even need to be in the room with you because they know you can do this exactly, in your sleep. Exactly, they've seen you do it multiple times. So we took, I took like five years in med school, one year of internship, and I was, by that time, we were pretty much doing C-sections unless there's a reason you know, complication and stuff, then maybe someone more experienced would be there. But it's because you have done, we have logbooks, so you do a couple of them. Okay. You'll start with the senior doctors, all that stuff, till they get to a point where they feel that, you know, you're competent, you can do this. 
then unless it's a very complicated case that they're sure you can't do, then they'll be there. Okay. But here it's like they're spending six, seven, eight years in med school. And yeah. after all that, you got to wait till like residency so you can pretty much do Start the basic that stuff. stuff that you've yeah. already done. Okay. So Jeez. it's 50-50. I mean, here maybe they're... That's actually not a good job, but that's actually mm-hmm. another question that I was going to ask you. Do you think that the, how do I put this? Basically, do you think that like after coming here to mm-hmm. study, do you think that Kenya has a better healthcare system than the United States? And by that, I mean, like, do you think because of some of the technological advances, you know, it's better to learn here or would you say it's better to learn there? But I can't, you kind of answered my question because with more hands, I mean, shit, what would you rather have someone who knows more or someone who's done yeah. it more, you know? I mean, like, fuck, you know, I, it's, it's like I said, it's like there's pros and cons to everything. So like, I mean, you might find we are more hands on and more practical people, but America is more advanced, which is everything we need all over the world. But exactly. You know, some of it is not practical. You can be coming to teach me about robotics and maybe you're in a country where they be like they're barely having the basic things yeah. they need. So you kind of have you have to be all rounded. And I think in both situations, it's I'd say at least in our country, it's kind of getting better, yeah. but it's not everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you have countries that might be worse than us or better than us, but I think healthcare needs to be standardized everywhere. It does. It just does. But it's not, it might not be possible, but they're trying. I can say they're trying. I'm sure they are. And I think there's a lot of people who would agree with that. I don't think that anyone who just heard that would be like, no, I don't think that healthcare needs to be standardized. It does. And I feel like the United States definitely, shit, we make more cure or we make more money off of the virus than we do the cure. And that's oh, what yeah. that's what people that. and it's the truth. Like if mm-hmm. I know that I can string you along for thirty years on cancer medicine, oh, why would I just give yeah. you the cure? And unfortunately, we live in a time where it's all about greed. But yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I, I feel like you know now knowing how it works in Kenya, yeah. I think it's I think that is a great way to teach because, like I said, if I wanted to learn how to play guitar. It's one thing, and I actually know how to play guitar, yeah. and I, I've tried to read books, but I actually got better understanding mm-hmm. watching videos and having someone Some kind of show, show me you. and watching yeah. them do it. So it definitely is a big difference. So I guess that's the question. Yeah. Like I said before, would you rather have someone who has the knowledge or someone who has the experience? Of course, ideally, you would want yeah, the best of both worlds. Exactly. But, so know. we need, I, I think we just need to work on. Because here, I feel like here we have a lot of knowledge and they kind of go. The good thing with all the years of med school is they take time to kind of understand and integrate Mm -hmm. everything. While when you're doing a really compressed course in like the five years, it's like you have a whole year you got to be in school. It's just you're cramming, cramming, cramming. Mm -hmm. You can understand it for now. You're not too sure if like five years down the line, do you remember? Do you not? Do you understand where everything comes together? Yeah. So do you think being a doctor is like any other job where you can lose passion over time or do you get revitalized every time you help someone? Um, 
Like for me, mm-hmm. I've been doing a certain job for so long. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't have the same passion, passion. but with you, exactly. you're helping save someone's life almost on a daily. And even if it's not saving their life, mm-hmm. like a life threatening ailment, yeah. Yeah. it might just be a pain that you might help alleviate some pressure off that goes away. So you are making a difference every day. So mm-hmm. is that rewarding enough for you to stay revitalized in that position? In that, um, let me ask you a question before I answer this. Have you ever gone to like the ER or somewhere like the doctor's clinic and you yes. meet one doctor and you're like, what is wrong with them? Like they're just so rude or whatever. Or like they spend like two seconds with you and they're done. Yes. And then you can go to another one and you they're very patient. They're very. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh-huh. feel like it's. It's gotten to a point. It is a job like any other. If you do need more patience, definitely. You need... You just need to know you're not going to have a life like that. If you're doing medicine, just say goodbye to everything. If you're... <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Like, if you're going to have a family, it's... People do have families, but it's not easy to balance that... I know I don't have kids yet, but I see how my friends who have children, they struggle. You probably got to be at work at night. You know, yeah. your baby just got off of school. Mm-hmm. You want to be there with them, but you can't because you need to get the money somehow. The world needs you. Yeah. <laughs> Put the superhero cape back on. <laughs> you know, um, for me, I think I had gotten to a point where I just felt like I was dying. Like... I mean, when I get through the door, I have to put on my face, put on my smile, yeah. go and help. But is it rewarding or satisfying? Am I loving what I was doing? No. Like, fine. You're like, yeah, I get happy. You go home, you felt better. Mm-hmm. You came in, you're about to die. And yeah, we brought you back, you know. But I think for me, where I was working at the time, it just wasn't where my heart was in. I understand. Um, I can relate to that. So I think if I was doing a different branch of it, I might have... A little more passion for it. Like I was saying, when I was working for the military, I was... You know, even if I'm going to spend the whole day and night, three days in a row in the hospital, I'm still happy about what I'm doing. I'm still going to wake up and it might be stressful. I might not have slept for two days, but I still want to do it. Exactly. Every, and I think everybody has those. Everybody, to a certain degree, everyone has that. I mean, because if you're in a job or a career path, I should say, yeah. you, you're not going to like every, every single day. Yeah. It's, you're just not. But you're not going to like every aspect of it. But, you know, there is that passion that, you know, drew you in to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that'll keep drawing you in. And I think that's why it's important to find something that you love and just try and just stick with it. No matter if it's, you know. If it's a bad day every day. If it's a, yeah. I mean, if you're passionate about it and it's like, hey, of all the things I could be doing, I'd rather be doing this. At mm-hmm. least I'm doing this. Then that's pretty much how you, how you got to look at it. But, you know, it's, it's just, like I said, it's the best of the worst. But I know there are times like, I mean, delivering a baby, I cannot, uh. that's probably a very rewarding, you know, thing for you. And it's not, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I would, you're, you're helping life, you know. Oh, yeah, so I definitely. would think that it's it's. I mean, if you like get past the shock the first time yes, when you see the whole course. process, I could only imagine. I mean, after that, it's pretty cool. Like it's like the the mom came alone and now she's going on with somebody else. It's yeah. pretty cool. 
Yeah, I can't imagine that. But I mean, that's probably that's probably a really good feeling to know yeah. that you started life. But you know, that's I know. just the small stuff. Like you know, a patient came in really sick or like with a fracture and something, and by the time they're going home, they've been walking and stuff, and they get so happy. And you know, yeah. like I've had patients like randomly in like you know the streets or something they would even come and remember me yeah and i'm like unfortunately i know i know you but if exactly. you're happy i'm happy Jeez, and i remember that's very true because i remember there was a specific doctor who helped me with something i had um some issues with lymph nodes at um, under my arms mm. and I had been to a couple of doctors and the ones who actually gave me the treatment that I needed and yeah. it worked mm-hmm. I had to tell my parents it's like I want to write them a letter you know yeah. what I mean like that you know when, whenever somebody's able to actually properly diagnose you and yeah. help the problem it does it changes the whole dynamic of your life so yeah. I definitely there's been some doctors along the way who I you know from moving from Atlanta to Virginia mm-hmm. I wish I was able to just bring them up here yeah, because they actually them. And and people don't bedside manner is everything. Oh, I'm yeah. telling you, if someone's already having, like, like I remember my my sister, uh, we were cooking dinner, and she was preparing the side dishes, and she had mm-hmm. a can of green beans, and she opened the can of green beans, but the lid fell inside, so she okay. reached her thumb in there to get it, pulled up, and just sliced oh. her thumb right in half. It Ow. was horrible, but we were at the. ER okay. for a while and I just remember that the staff you know was very helpful mm-hmm. and I remember that when we got in there when she got in there they took care of her and it, and it's like you almost forget that you're there for yeah. a serious problem because yeah. they know how to handle yeah. you and your situation so definitely. it definitely goes a long way I but think that's, that's definitely true like it goes back to what you're saying about putting that face on when you walk in. Yeah, like, like, it's like, hey, I know this isn't the best day ever, but these people are having yeah. the worst day of their life. Everybody that you see is having the worst day of their week, if not life. That's true. <laughs> and I think, like you said, I think now when I look at it, even when I used to feel like, oh my God, can this day end? But like you have a patient who comes back and he's like, like you might feel like, oh my God, I'm dying on the inside. But, you know, you do something and something so small, like maybe tell a patient, like, oh, you just, you know, you just have an infection. Take some pills. (laughs) And they, they're like overjoyed and they're like, Because they've probably been told, oh, it's this, it's that, it's the other. And they're probably freaking out. And then, you know, like for that split second, you kind of forget how shitty your day was. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay. And like, I've had patients who I have sat in there for 30 minutes and they come with completely different things. They probably say it's a cold, but it's not a cold. Mm-hmm. It's probably my <laughs> husband's hitting me. Oh Lord. And you stay there and just talk to them. And by the time they're leaving, they're absolutely fine. The cold is gone. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's like, they just need that. Yeah, ear, they, you know? they just need, you're like a priest, like a priest. Like mm-hmm. they just want to come and talk to somebody. And just with and a lot of people feel safe going to hospital, so that yeah. might be it as well. So, but that's why I said you need a lot of patience because just by just sitting down and just listening to somebody, that's probably it. That's all they needed. Yeah, that definitely is. So, yeah. um, back to citizenship. Okay, where are you at with that aspect? Again, I don't know the process. I'm I'm one of the people who I've never had to deal with that. So, you know, there's a lot of us, obviously, but, yeah. you know. 
I mean, I, I, I think I'll speak on my case because, like I said, it's just different for everybody. Of course. There are people who've just gone and tried to get a visa and they got it with one try. Um, for me, luckily, right now, I'm a resident. Okay. Um, so honey, you had to apply to just be a resident? Um, so I was able to become one because my dad had done the paperwork okay. when I was still underage. Okay. Um, and he was my main, um, well, I was his dependent. So uh, okay. That, yeah, that's what that I was made about it, Yeah. That made it easier for me because he was my main surfboard. And that expires? Um, yes. So before it expires, you can, if it's time, you can choose to apply for citizenship. If not, you can always reapply to give you an extension. Is, is that a certain age that it expires, or is it just a certain date to when this oh, lasts yeah. from here to here? Um, I think I have one for, what, eight years, I think? Okay, so yeah, eight, it's just a date years. then. So, yeah, okay. it's just a date. So, jeez, it's just such a process. I just it can't is. believe it. And it's a lot of money, honestly. I wonder how it, is it really? It is. But I think it's different. Like I said, it's different for everybody. I know we've spent a lot of money on it because it's something... You've been trying to do over and over. Yeah, and my dad had to do it for so many years. I wonder why they denied that. I just just am curious to the process myself because I wondered, like, going Mm -hmm. to another country, me going to another country, is if if it would be as strenuous. I don't think so. I I don't think so either. We complicate so much stuff here in America. Not saying that I don't love this country. I'm just saying we really yeah. because we want more money. We want to draw out the process. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like you should know. You should have a clear cut reason why you got denied. It shouldn't just be yeah. based upon someone. I mean, I don't know how the process is. I'm actually going to do some research yeah. into it now, just because and, you know you let me. I'm know. curious now. Well, because I mean that's the very reason I'm doing this podcast to learn more myself, so that maybe I can Definitely. I might find something out that I can pass on to someone else. Like I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, and he mm-hmm. had Ronnie Coleman on, and Joe Rogan knows a lot of people. He knows a lot of doctors, and he knows a lot of people who are into. Uh, a lot uh, about nutrition and so Mm -hmm. Ronnie Coleman was talking to him and they were having a conversation he actually linked him up with a doctor that he knows and so he's going through treatment to get you know his his ability to walk the right way back so you know it's just you never know so I'm gonna look into this and maybe I can pass on some information to to somebody else about you know how to streamline this process because that's just crazy to me I can't believe it but I mean it's not I was born all, here, so I don't have to deal with it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not all bad. I mean, considering all the sketchy people who end up coming in and all that stuff. So I understand why they That's might true. be a bit thorough with the process. Yeah. So, and and, then, and I can understand yeah. it being thorough, but you should walk away knowing exactly why, why you exactly. did not get access to yeah. be a United States citizen, yeah. you know? But that's the music. Um Kiki, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problem. This will definitely be uh, the first of many episodes that we're able to do together. Um, Guys, if you want to learn more about Kiki, you can follow her on IG at Kiki Gekunda. Yeah, Kiki underscore. Kiki underscore Gekunda. Gekunda? Yes. Okay. I I gotta make sure I say it right. But, um, yeah, follow her if you want to follow her. And she is working on getting her general practitioner um, license, license. And, you know, go to residency and specialize. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for you. I know that you have that test coming up, so good luck to you. Thank you. Um, yeah, the word of the day today is sponsored by Anchor. So if you do not know about Anchor, it is a podcast application. And if you're trying to start a podcast or if you already have a podcast, you'd need to think about switching over to Anchor because it is 100% free. You do not have to pay for space and Anchor does all of the hard work for you. It will push out your podcast to every single streaming network that you can think of. So download the Anchor app for free. The word today is going to be Exodus and Kiki is going to read that for us. So that's a mass departure of people, especially immigrants. So pretty much like the Israelites from Egypt. There you go. And the reason we chose Exodus today is is because of that. I think that a lot of people have this vision of what America is. And I think that for the most part, it can be that. If you are mm-hmm. willing to put in the hard work, you really can rise to the top and you really can make something of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we just got to stay motivated and we just got to get after it. Yeah, so true. thank you again, Kiki, for coming on. Thank you, everybody, yeah. for listening. If you want to follow me on any of the socials, you can follow me at Tucker 10 underscores. Listen to my podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and more podcast apps to come. Thank you. Thank you.